Hey, hello, hi, it's Laura. Welcome to a solo episode of TMST. Solo meaning just moi, me, talking about a thing or two. Today I am going to address a theme instead of individual questions. A theme that comes up a ton. You ask us to talk about it a lot and we've received a ton of questions about it. So the theme is all things productivity, time management, priorities, how we decide to say yes and no and why, that type of thing, which are all, of course, connected to other topics like boundaries and burnout and so on. I'm not going to address all of that, but a slice of it in a very specific way that I have found super helpful. But before I drop into it, I've answered some bonus questions for members about sobriety. One about what keeps me sober still, and if it's still challenging to not drink. Another question about the idea of women, quote unquote, changing their relationship with alcohol versus remaining totally sober over time, and whether I think that's possible. And then how to answer questions about why you're sober and the comfort levels we have and what we share. And those are the three questions. So these, the bonus question thing is something new that we've been doing on these AMA episodes. And it's one of the benefits of being a member is you get those extra bonus questions. Members also get the full uncut edited versions of all our conversations and invitations to events with me and the team. If you want to join, go to tmstpod.com and click become a member. It's also how we keep the show ad free. Okay, let's dig in. So the inspiration for this setup for the show came from Whitney Cummings, a comedian I love. Here's the clip. Only reason I can get all this done is if I'm like rested and my carnal needs are met. I schedule in exercise and value it just as much in sauna time, just as much as I do the work because the work's going to suck if I'm not at 100%. Hell yeah. So it's like I schedule in being 100%. I pick out all my clothes for the week on Sunday and make all my decisions Sunday. I know what you're thinking right now. Look at my <laughs> outfit. You're like, that must have taken hours to put together. <laughs> and you just have to know what to please you and get ahead of it, you know? So I do know. Um, same day decisions. If someone's like, hey, can I swing by? Even if it's someone I want to see, I'm like, mm, I didn't a lot for this. spending those energy dollars. So for me, energy dollars. energy dollars. So how many energy dollars do you have a day? So you say I have 100 energy dollars. You have to know how much uh, it takes energy wise for you to do certain things and then a lot. So if by 10 a.m., I've gone on Instagram and gotten jealous of a bunch of people and responded to all of that. And then it's like, oh, well, this person. And and then I've spent, okay, I did not plan on spending 10 energy dollars by 10 a.m., but I did. And that's where we are. So now I have to kind of course correct my day. It's going to take me 50 energy dollars to do the podcast, 30 energy dollars to do this thing afterwards. And now we're at five o'clock and I'm out. I've spent all my money. I either need to cancel the thing I have tonight, forego something I was going to do, or else I'm going to start borrowing from tomorrow. It's so good, right? So smart. We all hear about cups being full or empty or putting gas masks on. 
is gas mask? Yeah, I just had a brain. Like, is that what they talk about on the airplane? Yes. You want to put your your oxygen, not gas. No, you don't want to put a gas mask on. You want to put an oxygen mask on. But there's something about the specificity of $100 a day, energy dollars, that makes this so tangible and so useful. Uh, I did a ton of thinking about this since I listened to it, which was really just over the weekend, and started applying it to my life already. And I want to talk you through that process of thinking about my days like this and just overall my life, the insights I had, and hopefully it's helpful for you too. So first, I realized even just in the short bit of Whitney's clip that there are so many things, so many things that I do in a day that I don't account for as any kind of energy spend. Or I drastically underestimate the energy spend that things require. Like I'll think something costs $5 when in fact it has always costed me at least $25. I just haven't wanted to admit it or I think it shouldn't cost me anything or it seems like everyone else does it with such ease. All all those stories that I'm sure you're very familiar with. So the first thing I want to go through is figuring out what you are actually spending. Example. And the thing that tipped me off for this was when Whitney said, go to Instagram first thing in the morning and get jealous of all these people. Oh, I've spent 10 energy dollars. It's like, yeah, that's a thing. And there are so many things throughout my day that are like that. So let's talk about those. Most of the things that I would call background activities, things we do all day, every day, more or less, but we never really think about the fact that we do them. Like social media can be part of that, texting back and forth with people, just maintaining that conversation. I'm one of those people who cannot have an unread text message in my, I can't have any notification, no red notification sign in my phone uh, on, on my messages. I see some people who have, you know, 456 unread text messages. I can't understand them. No, that would short circuit my brain. So I don't always, always, always respond to them, but I always open them. And every time you open something, you're like, you know, that's a little ding on your your energy credit card. So texting back and forth with people, the many conversations we may have in a day, checking email, which I do also on autopilot on my phone, making decisions about meals. Like I'm the one who buys the groceries in our house and decides, you know, if we're all eating together, what we're going to eat. I'm the one who thinks about that. And I like thinking about it for the most part, but I don't consider that any kind of energy spent, even though it is. So a lot of what is often to referred to as invisible labor that goes into keeping a house moving, laundry, shopping for groceries or house stuff, cleaning, paying bills, changing cat litter in my case, because I'm the only one who can apparently do that in my house, uh, going through mail making sure my daughter has her stuff for school in the morning and the constant, you know, little battle that that is. Uh, And it's not like we have to account for every little thing, every single little thing we do. That would be 
a lot. But if you think about the totality of all those things on a daily basis, it's it counts for like, I don't know, I don't know what your life is like, but probably 25 bucks a day, sometimes maybe a lot more, right? So I thought of this example that has, I thought of this example that has been at sort of the forefront of my mind because it's a somewhat recent lifestyle change that I didn't really see as such until recently. I have my daughter every other week. It has been like that since she was maybe five years old and she's 13 now. So her dad, we switch on Fridays. Her dad uh, picks her up from school in the weeks he has her, stays with him for a week. And then yeah, I pick her up the next Friday, she's with us for a week. It works great. Um, but I used to live in the same town as where she went to school and where her dad lives. I now live 20 minutes from her school versus two minutes. And I, this happened at the end of 2020 for a a good stretch there. Uh, she was doing homeschooling because of COVID. So this thing that has become a thing wasn't a thing for a while, um, But of course, school opened up. And what that means on the weeks that I have her during the weekdays, I'm driving 45 minutes, and that's with no traffic, 45 minutes round trip at least twice a day, sometimes three times a day. So I'm going there in the morning, dropping her off and coming back home, doing my day, and then I'm going back to pick her up from school, and then sometimes coming back home and then going back out to, and that the three times doesn't happen every day, but the two times does. I'm always picking her back up at either practice or school or whatever because of sports. And so that is the equivalent of 45 minutes round trip, at least twice a day, sometimes three times a day, which means an hour and a half, sometimes over two hours in the car, often in some kind of traffic. That is the equivalent of a commute, which I haven't had a commute to work. I've been working for myself in my home for over six years. So it's not nothing. This is not an insignificant change to my life. But I have been trying to minimize it or deny it and or, you know, it's not that it's a brutal struggle. Like we all have to spend time in the car. Most people have some kind of a commute. Lots of people take their kids to school 15, 20 minutes away. It's just that it's different than what I was doing before. I used to be able to walk her to school in two minutes. And now I get in the car. We And it also means that if she happens to forget something, which we try our best not to do, but you, anyone who has kids knows that that happens, uh, I have to make the decision to either go back or let her figure it out. That's another podcast, but it's a lifestyle change and it's not nothing is my point. It's not also that there's just this time spend, right? It's not just a time spend. It's um, the what that means for those days, right? I have to plan my work, my meals, working out, calls, being on Zoom, 
much, much, much more rigidly on those weeks than I do on the weeks that I don't have her. And it is just, what is it, 2022, we're almost, we, she's been in school this entire year and I think half of last year. So it's taken me a full school year of her being in seventh grade and half of sixth grade for me to really accept that this is such a big change. And part of that is like, I'm an optimist. I didn't want it to be a big deal. It shouldn't be a big deal, whatever. But it is, it's a, it's a thing. And I had to accept, acknowledge that this is a, this is an energy spent. It's part of the deal on the weeks I have her. I want to, I want to be clear because I have a feeling that some people are going to feel like they're complaining when they do, if, if you decide to do this exercise, that you're complaining. And none of this is about complaining. This is about living in reality. The reality of what actually you spend your energy dollars on and accounting for it instead of pretending like it's not happening or that things don't cost as much as they actually do and so on. So this is just a reality exercise, okay? The other thing I realized when I went to do this is like, I think that work is the only thing that is a valid spend of energy dollars. And I have a feeling probably a lot of you too. Like my first thoughts go to, oh, how, okay, I have $100 a day to spend on work. No, you don't have $100 energy dollars just to spend on work because that's not the only fucking thing you do. Hello. So there are so many things we do and spend our energy on. And if you actually open your eyes to it, we can make better choices and respect ourselves, ideally, a hell of a lot more. So what happened with me when I when I was ignoring this energy spend of the commutes is resentment. That's what was happening to me. I started getting really resentful at my boyfriend. <laughs> like, why are we living here? Which is absurd and irrational. Thinking someone else should fix it for me. Who? I don't know. It's just like what happens in my mind when I uh, resentment kicks up, pissed off that I can't just handle it better and be grateful and all that shit that's not useful at all. But if I just say, okay, the reality is that these drives spend 20 energy dollars of mine each time I make one. And if I'm doing it two to three times a day, that's either 40 energy dollars or 60 energy dollars. Either way, on those days, that's more than half of my energy for the day. And knowing that, it makes a hell of a lot more sense as to why I'm way more irritable, I'm ta- I'm tapped, I'm tired, and how I can plan for that instead of pretending like it's not happening. Other things I underestimate in terms of the spend they require. Recording a podcast, what I'm doing right now. This is another weird thing that might make sense to you or not, but I I love doing this. And so it seems like things I really love doing aren't in my mind, an energy spend, but they absolutely are, right? 
just because you like something and you enjoy doing it, sometimes that's more of an energy spend because you're putting everything into it. Like, I really care about this show. I really care about being present for people. I care about being prepared. I care about trying to improve the way I hold space for people, trying to improve the way I articulate myself. I really care. And so it's a big energy spend. And we don't talk about light topics, generally speaking. We have fun, but we don't talk about light topics. So a conversation episode with a guest, I estimate, just the show itself, just recording it, not everything that goes into preparing for it, which is a whole lot. I often have to read a book, uh, listen to some other podcasts they've done, et cetera, talk about it with Michael, figure out a strategy, all that. Just the recording of it, it is about 30 to 40 bucks. Depends on what the episode's about, how heavy it is, et cetera. That's a conversation with a guest. One of these episodes, like the these AMA ones, I realized actually cost me more because I write out the whole thing. I write out the an outline, but then I actually write out the whole thing. At least that's what I do now. Maybe later in my life and my career doing this, I will not require that. But for me, it's important to do that. I end up riffing and ad-libbing and all that, but it costs me 40 to 50 bucks. So that's interesting because in my mind earlier, I was like, uh, these don't cost that much. Oh my God, that was my cat. Jesus Christ. Any of you who follow me on Instagram? No. <laughs> Jesus, that scared me. That my cat is a constant visitor in my office. Piper, my cat, one of my cats, my girl cat. I love her. But man, anytime I get talking, she wants to visit. And that was a surprise visit. Now my heart's pounding. Where was I? Okay. So the point is, the recording podcast in my mind was like, oh, but I love to do it. It doesn't cost that much. It costs sometimes more when we really love something because we're all in it. We're not phoning it in. Now, other things that I that I just sort of inventoried, writing a newsletter, I think of it like it's nothing. I always, like, I've been writing newsletters for six years and I always go into it like, oh, I'll just do this real quick. No, it takes one to two hours for me. But it's, so it's at least $25 every time, okay? Hosting a TLC meeting, the luckiest club, sobriety support meeting. I also feel like it shouldn't be much because I know how to do it. It's not something new. I'm not reinventing the wheel every time. I, we follow a script, but it is new every time because there's new shares, there's new topics, there's the energy of all the people that are there. And it requires a lot to hold space for that. So I'd say it's at least $20, sometimes more depending on say what shows up in the meeting. Book writing. Here is one I'm completely <laughs> delusional about still. Mostly because I feel like I have no choice but to be delusional. It's not my only job. It's one of three jobs I have. Uh, the other two being podcast and running TLC. So book writing for me, it's not the only thing I do. Perhaps one day I will live into that. 
but it's at least an 80 to $90 spend every time I engage in earnest, which is two to four hours of writing, you know, real like deep work focus time. It just costs that much. And ideally on the days I write, I would have nothing else to do that day, but that's not the way it works out at this point in my life. And it's not the way it works out for a lot of people, right? Most of us aren't in a position to just cut and trim as we please. We have kids, jobs, households. We have varying money worries. We have varying co-parenting and parenting statuses and roles we play in our homes and at work and so on. So I get that we can't just cut and trim as we please. I can't either. However, this is so helpful to get a really good look at where you're spending and also where income is coming from, kind of like the budget that you dread doing, but then you do it and it's actually very helpful and illuminating. And to see where you're consistently going in the red can be so illuminating. Like I, these commute weeks, back to that, the weeks I have my daughter, there's so many things that I do on those weeks that I don't do on the weeks I don't have her, of course. I'm very dialed into her. She's got all kinds of activities. She plays on two soccer teams and there's tutor and a school and homework and meals and all the stuff that comes with her. And my boyfriend is a is a huge help. Even just having having another parent in the house with a kid is like energetically a huge help, but he's not her dad. And he's, you know, I don't expect him to do, to carry the weight that I expect her dad to carry and that he does. So going back to that example, to the, the commutes, what I realize is I have options. And this is what I'm hoping you might see in some of your, the, in your big spends see where you have options. I can ask for help. It turns out my boyfriend is more than willing to help out when he can with taking her to and from school. I finally realized that. I avoided asking, avoided asking. It's This is my crap. And finally, he started offering on Tuesday mornings because I have an early meeting that I always found it very challenging to get back in time. It would always stress me out. So he started taking her. And it was m- such a massive help. And then when I need it, I've started to ask him if he can, and he is glad to help. I can also adjust, like I can plan for it to schedule as much as I can, a little bit less on the weeks that I have her. The other part is this, just like more kindness towards myself. Like, oh, this is the real energy dollar cost of these days. No wonder you are cranky and irritable and exhausted. Let's be nicer. I can also get more sleep, more exercise, don't plan anything on those weekends, etc. Okay. So that's the spending part. But we Don't stop there. The second part is where is the income coming from? Like what actually feeds you and puts more money in your energy account? 
And this is not what should feed you or what other people think feeds you or what you wish fed you or even what used to feed you. Like there are things that I used that used to feed me that just don't anymore. So things that actually put more energy dollars in my energy bank are quiet, alone time, puttering around the house, just puttering, putting things away, organizing a little bit, room to room, dilly-dallying, no like, oh, we got to get it done, but puttering. I love puttering. Organizing gives me life back, like light organizing. I'm not talking about a massive closet overhaul, but light organizing. Massages. I'm a big massage fan. That fills me up. Exercise, movement. Yes, definitely. Reading actual books, not reading on my phone, which is the opposite of fill me up. (laughs) Scrolling is not reading, Laura. And sleep. Things I want to feed me, but they don't always are social activities. Like I want them to feed me, but I'm very picky. And I know I'm 44 years old. I know what social things work for me and what don't. Hanging out with certain people fills me up. Small groups, select groups of people that I'm already very close with, that fills me up. Some work activities fill me up. But again, those are usually spends too. Um, So these are things that I want to feed me, but they don't always. Another thing is being responsive. Like on texts, on emails, especially with my friends and my family. I like being responsive on texts, but I've let go of that, that immediate responsiveness that need to. And I realize that actually, you know, it requires energy to do it. Okay. So that's a little bit, I could have gone much further into that, but I'll, I just want to give you a taste of how I thought about this and hopefully it helps. So that's a bit about inventorying your energy spend and then your income and seeing what your balance sheet looks like, like creating that budget I was talking about. Like, remember when Mint came out, I I joined Mint and went ham on it probably 10 times and then never really, really used it. But Mint was like this budgeting tool and there are tons of them out there. But you create a budget. What you actually find is, oh my God, I'm spending $400 a week on you know, groceries, I thought I was spending a hundred or I spend $700 a month. Did I say a week? That would be a lot. I spend $700 a month on quote unquote entertainment. What is that? Right? So we can't possibly know what we're actually spending until we really look at it. This is like creating that budget, but it's way more fun than an actual budget, I think. Okay. So let's zoom out. I want to talk about how we think about this because it's not like not all weeks are created equal and neither are all months or seasons. Like we aren't machines that run 365, seven days a week, 24 hours a day at the same pace with the same needs. Obviously, we act like we are, though. Our uh, The reality of our life is that it ebbs and flows and we're always in some kind of season, always. And it 
is helpful to look at this and our energy budget in actual seasons. So, and to plan for them and be honest about the season we're in. And this could mean actual seasons like summer, which is coming up, but also seasons of life. So my daughter is entering her first summer where she's not booked with a camp every single week. Like she's old enough at 13 to do to do stuff on her own during the day. You know, she, she needs rides, of course, but she can go off on her own. Every summer before this was very much, especially when she was, you know, five through 10, it was booked. There wasn't unsupervised time because I was always working. So was her dad. So she would be booked to the gills with camps. And that was effectively like running two people's work schedules. If anyone who has kids that do do the summers like that, you know what it's like. Um, But I'm in a different stage and that's new. And so thinking about, but it requires some thought, like there's still, the summer is going to be a different season than the school year. So thinking about that and planning for it, and then being honest about what the the different spend categories are. Like I'm not going to be commuting to her school every day. Great. But she is going to want to do some stuff. And so how am I going to account for that? We don't live in the town where most of our friends live, so I'll probably be driving back and forth a decent amount. I want to make a comment on young kids because what I've noticed in in how I felt as a mother of a young child, a baby, and then a young child is that I was very resentful of the loss of my time um, and my my own independence. And what I didn't realize, because you really can't, is that it is a season. It's a very wildly demanding season, especially for mothers. That's a categorical statement that I feel pretty comfortable saying. Um, I had a, her dad is an incredible co-parent and took on a lot more than a lot of my Um, friends, partners did. But um, there were still things that just fell to me. And every relationship is different. And yes, I'm talking about, you know, heterosexual stereotypes. But they're stereotypes for a reason. Uh, There's usually different roles that each partner plays and different um, weights of responsibility that fall on one part partner or another and child child you know rearing and child development development you know growing up the child loving on the child managing the child's schedule taking care of the child so being a parent of young kids is a season like recognize that and it's a very demanding one i always wanted to be in a season that wasn't like that. And I fought against it a lot. And that was also during a lot of my active addiction. And yes, I wish I didn't or hadn't, but I did. If I would have realized it was a season, I think I would have done that a little less, but who knows? I can't go back. 
other ones that might be a season you're in, like a physical transition, like pregnancy or menopause or recovering from an injury or recovering from being sick. Being newly sober is a season. It is a season that requires tremendous energy and focus. And I had a lot of things had to drop off, but it is a season. And if you let it be a season and you go all in on it being a season and you acknowledge the energy dollars that are required to get through the days of this season, the season does pass. And ideally with a little more acceptance and grace and compassion, being in grief is a season and so on. You get it. So recognizing that we have to respect the season we're in and make adjustments accordingly takes acceptance, but it also can give us a ton of permission. Like, oh, this is the, this is the way I need to manage my energy dollars in this season. And they also don't last. Like the, the beauty about thinking in seasons is that seasons by definition are seasons. They, they don't last forever. There's no perpetual summer. Even if you live in you know, LA, there's no perpetual summer. And if you're in a season that feels heavy and dark and burdened and squeezed, recognizing that there's a season and finding ways to reduce the suffering, maybe by using this framework of thinking can be life-changing, really. Okay, so you think in seasons and then you narrow down and you think in weeks or you zoom in a little bit more and you think in weeks. So again, going back to the commute weeks, we're going to call those the commute weeks, the Alma weeks. When my daughter is with me, my energy spend, like I said, is totally different. So acknowledging that, (laughs) hello, and I can't push as hard or fast or work as much the weeks I have her with me. And just knowing that and accepting it and building in as much as I can, more space and time to breathe and put more stuff in the bank is helpful. And then lastly, to think in days. So this may be obvious to you, but back to the thinking in weeks, I usually take time on Sunday and go, okay, what is this week look like? This is something I was already doing, but adding this energy spend to every day was even more helpful. I did it this Sunday. Lastly, think in days. I've started to make a habit of laying out a sketch since I heard this of my dollar spend the night before each day. And it's so, it's fun, I think. So last night I knew I had the following things to do today. This is my budget for today. Prepare a podcast. I got up early because I know it had to happen early. That was $15. That's not this podcast. That's the one I recorded earlier. So prepare a podcast, $15. Host a TLC meeting, that was $20. And this was before 9 a.m. So at 9 a.m., I'm at $35. The run, I took a run, and that gave me back about $15. And then I recorded the the podcast that I was prepping you for, which was with Kelly McDaniel, and that cost me $30. And then I had to finish writing this one, prepping for it and recording it, which is costing me $40. It's about a two and a half hour process for me. And it's less about the time, although that's not nothing. It's about the spend. So that's $90. 
that I've spent that includes the $15 back for my run. And it's 3.02 right now, PM in the afternoon. So I've got 10 energy bucks to spend. I am not going to be doing some or thinking I could do or should do some other big work thing today. I will try to take a walk, like a little walk after this, maybe sit outside. If I had my daughter, which is, this is a week I don't, I would have to go get her. And now that I am thinking a bit this way, I would have probably budgeted some of this work a little bit differently. Like I would have prepared for the podcast on Sunday. Spent that $15 on Sunday when I actually had it. Whereas I wouldn't have it if I had to do, if I had the routine of her commutes, I would have um, probably prepped a little more for this one if I could have. And like, this isn't perfect, but holding is a framework. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And then there are, co- of course, things that pop in, like we can't control our entire day. Although I would love to, I really want control over the entire situation. I'm going to take a sip of water. This is new to me. I'm going to keep trying it. I think it's fun. And it, it speaks to me about this whole idea that there's freedom in discipline. Like this takes a bit of discipline but there's freedom in it. I, I have a lot more freedom if I have energy, if, I have, if I'm not burning into the red every single day. Yes, I might have to put some of my, in the phase that I'm in, in the season of life I'm in, which is I have still edits to do for a book. I have a deadline for that. I'm still running a company, still doing the podcast and raising a kid and all that. Then you know, the weekends, as much as I sometimes like them to be totally work-free, maybe I get, maybe I have to spread the spend into the weekend mornings here and there so that I don't go into the red during the week, especially the weeks I have her. All right. This was fun. I really hope it's helpful. Let us know what you think on Instagram and please keep submitting your questions at tmstpod.com and click on submit a question. We, uh, we will see you next week and yeah, go create your energy budget. Bye. If you want more TMST, head on over to tmstpod.com and become a member. Members get access to the full uncut versions of these conversations, previews of upcoming guests, invites to join me for members-only events, and access to our members-only community where I hang out a lot. We decided from the beginning to make this an independent project. We don't have sponsors and we don't run ads. This means that we can make the show all about you and not what our sponsors or advertisers want. But it also means we're 100% reliant on your support. So my request and my invitation is simple. 
support the show by becoming a member, or you can simply make a one-time donation of as little as $5. I cannot stress this enough. You can make a huge difference for as little as $5. Please head over to tmstpod.com right now. Tell Me Something True is engineered and mixed by Paul Chufo. Michael Elsesser and I dreamed up this show, and we're looking forward to joining you online and next time on Tell Me Something True. Thank you.